0: We can tell our story and we can get some relief, but it has to be followed up with practice, Mm -hmm. right? And to me, the polyvagal is one of those ways that fits in with every modality to go, yeah, this person has learned to live in a system of disconnection is like, and when you teach these tools, people get it right away.
1: Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your
2: host, Lindsay Nobles. And I'm your host, Mackenzie Vogt. Hey friends, today I'm so excited to introduce you to Onsite's Associate Clinical Director, Kathleen Murphy. Lindsay and I got the opportunity to sit down with Kathleen a few months ago, and our conversation took a really beautiful turn when we began discussing the polyvagal theory, a unique paradigm that includes evolutionary, neuroscientific, and psychological constructs that explain the role of the vagus nerve in emotional regulation, social connection, and fear response. And that was a mouthful. But let me tell you... The longer that I've been at OnSite and the more that I've learned about the polyvagal nerve within our body, the more I understand how trauma really impacts the way we see the world and how we can use this theory to regulate in the context of community and relationship. It was a fascinating conversation, and we barely scratched the surface of this topic. So we've curated a few resources in the show notes and on the episode landing page if you want to dig a little bit deeper into polyvagal theory. But what I want you to take away from this conversation is a better understanding of what it means to be human, maybe a more normalizing view of trauma, some self-compassion, and a confidence that what we say at Onsite is true. We are wounded in community, and therefore we are healed in community. There is neurobiological proof. So are you ready to dive in with us? Buckle up and meet our friend Kathleen Murphy. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited that you're here, and we are so excited to be sitting down with Kathleen, our new Associate Clinical Director. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Hi. So good to be here.
2: Yeah. Um, before we started recording, you were kind of saying a little bit about how you got to OnSite, um, and maybe even you were hesitant, but then you you ended up here. You visited the campus and ended up joining us. So uh, let's just start there. Uh, <laughs> what brought you to OnSite, and how did you get here? I'm <laughs> <laughs> like...
0: This is the question.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, still trying to figure it out. Why, why kind of am I like,
0: here? It's like this is a question of like, I feel so blessed is the word that I'm looking for that there yeah. I am living my, like Oprah would say, my best life <laughs> over there in L.A. I've got things working. And then I hear this call, like, mm. you know, Austin would periodically call me up and say, hey, have you thought about coming on site? And I'm like, no. But no. I always had in the back of my mind that I really wanted to work with him again because I worked with him at Karen. And one of the reasons is he is just such a remarkable human, mm-hmm. um, his sense of integrity, and he walks he he walks his walk that he says he believes. Yeah. Let me just put it that way. Austin's
2: our VP of clinical services. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so there was a day that he called, and I was like, well... Maybe, you know, there's so much transition going on everywhere. Yeah. And the organization that I worked for, um, that I was the founding clinical director, I put air quotes with (laughs) Brad Lamb and Deb Hughes, who were the owners. Mm. They like to refer founding executive clinical director. Austin calls and he goes, hey, why don't you talk to Julie, our CEO? And I had no intention of saying Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Zero. I have like my coach and we planned how we are going to just investigate. But I did go to the Oaks for the uh, Psychodrama Institute training. Yeah. And I was saying to myself, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Mm. I am so glad I'm not talking to Julie now because mm. I am in the magic of yeah. what is on site.
1: Mm.
0: And I'm so glad that I had a couple of You know, weeks to think about it.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Anyway, I had this conversation with Julie, and something woke up inside of me. And I was asking myself, "What is it that you want?" Hmm. And I'm like, "I really listened deeply." The way that you know that on site is about for all the people that come here. It's about listening inside to what is wanted, what is needed, what needs healing. What is the next thing in one's life? And I was like, I want to be inspired. Mm. I just want to be inspired in another, in another way. And so that conversation with Julie inspired me. Mm. And then I came out here and visited and, you know, walked in this land and I met the people.
2: Mm.
0: And I also lived by spiritual principles and I felt in my heart this is where you go next. Mm. And even though my fingernails were like, but my cottage Dragging. at the beach, yeah. but yeah. And I have to tell you even on my way here today, I'm driving down the beautiful road of the fall. And you know, I am aware of all the history of this land, not just in this century but centuries right. previously. And to be able to be part of a healing. Mm. It just makes me feel a deep joy and gratitude that I get to be here and participate. This is a time when great healing is necessary and being called to serve people, whether it be other clinicians, whether it be the people who come. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And that's, for me, what's happening here. Hmm. So that's a long answer, I know. But it's like pulled from the heart. Come on. You know, and I have learned to listen to that when the creative force speaks inside and says, Kathleen, this is next. Hmm. You know, I say, oh, (laughs) really? (laughs) Okay. And then I say yes. And, yeah, yeah, so
2: it's a great honor to be here. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. I think I've just been so excited even since we first met you when you were just visiting. I just felt like. Oh, this this fits. I like this. I hope she says yes. <laughs> it was hard. It was like mm-hmm. I
0: felt happy there. People knew who I was. I, do you know? It's nice to be somewhere where people know who you are. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. It's and known and seen and have yeah. people recurring characters in your life.
0: Yeah, or yeah. you know, you build a reputation of being good at what you do. Yeah. There's a there's a perk of that.
2: Yeah, because I definitely. love
0: I love being able to do the work. This work. It's like when I was a singer, you know, it's like when you're singing and you're in the zone and you're in the flow and there's, it's like magic. Yeah. So, yeah, that was hard, but it worked out. I don't Mm -hmm. think I'd be here hadn't, you know, just how things have a flow. Yeah. Um, When you trust that voice.
1: I feel like I, in transitions, have, you know, like been led intuitively or been pulled and, and, have always kind of followed as I've been pulled, and then a lot of times, you know, like you get into the other side, and you're like, "Oh, this is a mess." <laughs> like I, like, I've been pulled my? into what, you know, <laughs> yes, into God or higher power or whatever. Like, what you, how did you lead me here? And that I think that as I get older and think back about more of these transitions, I realize that the pulling towards things is sort of the grounding of mm. like, oh, like, oh, no, it's not going to necessarily be easier on this other side that right. I'm pulling you into, but it's just a reminder of like that you're supposed to be That's right. here. Yes. yes.
0: It feels like those nods from, like you said, yeah. creative, force, God, higher yeah. power, whatever.
1: Yeah. But, but you're right. It's, it's like just remembering like, oh, like I am supposed to be here and I'm supposed to stick this out and – yeah. So I think you that was such that. an important perspective shift. Yeah, I love if, that. With some of the transitions, I was just like, "What in the world?" Yes, like,
2: and you need to be reminded that you had absolute clarity and were yeah. like taken care of through that transition to like almost keep you where you are because it is so hard. Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, and yeah.
1: I'm just, yeah, it's just a health, healthy reminder yeah. too. As I sit here, really expectant um and about to have the baby yeah, I'm like Very oh i felt pulled into this, this and i'm of like-, like i know it's going to be hard on the other side but oh, that wow. that there is the reminder of the pulling and the certainty that i felt in making decisions about mm. it That's that good. hopefully will help ground me as i step into the hard of the transition cuz they're always ones. hard yeah. they're
0: always i love that you're taking the time to say that because i think that when people take these risk like, you know, yeah. you are, that people say things like, oh, my God, you're so brave. And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and but I love like going, well, let me show you what brave really looks right. like. Mm-hmm. It looks like taking a huge risk and being scared yeah. and hoping that that sound that you're following is really that green light that you think it is.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And those doubts that come up. Yeah, yeah. But you get those nods that happen along the way that go, okay. Like, I love the word you use, grounded. Like, okay, come back to the ground. Get out of your head. Get out of Mm -hmm. that fear-mongering in your head. And just keep on walking. Put one foot in front of the other. Yeah,
1: You um, also mentioned sort of, like, it's so nice to be known. And I I remember after one of my transitions, an insightful friend said, like, because I had moved several times, he was like, people see you move, and they see you go and do these things, but they don't see what it costs you. And I was like, it is so true that, like, Mm. they just say, oh, like, you move a lot. But it's like I literally was taking – I have, like, friendships from all these seasons that I'm, like, carrying with me. And, you know, it's like I really care about, like, staying in touch with people and that there was, like, such a heaviness to all my transitions. And it wasn't like I was just being whimsical and, you know, like – Following where the spirit led, it was like, oh, that I'm like, with each transition, I'm like carrying things forward that mm-hmm. were heavy. Yes, and I just appreciated so much him seeing that mm-hmm. the cost of all the transition.
0: Like right now, I'm appreciating you saying that. Yeah, in this moment, because you're right. Because I've had those conversations too, and it's just like I'm sitting here appreciating. That I'm sitting in a room with somebody yeah. who's moved a lot and knowing the reality of yeah. what that means, right? It is exciting, but there's a cost because you have to start all over again. Yeah,
1: right, like the whole life. Yeah, yeah.
0: There, like, and you're you are carrying stuff with you, but there still is, like, you know, when you're known there and you you found your space, and then you come somewhere else and you got to. Yeah, I mean, start at the beginning in some ways. Totally.
2: It's to work to carve it out. Yes. I heard this once, and I don't know if it's sound or not. Um, I think my mother-in-law's therapist told this to her. But So I'm in the room of a therapist. So you can tell me whether or not it's true. But she was <laughs> saying that your body doesn't know the difference between good change and bad change. Like, even if it's good change, your body is still experiencing change and transition, and you have to honor that. And I don't know, that feels like in this conversation of like, even if it's, Hard. It's the right thing. It still comes at a cost.
1: Yeah. Well, um, and I good change it, and bad change. It's like who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> <or not. laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. But I think. It's Do you about, like that? Do I like
0: it? Yeah. So, like, I'll be therapist ego. So when you think that change, all change is the same, whether it's bad or good in the body, or the body doesn't know the difference. When you think about that, does that make you feel better?
2: I think it's We're like, better. I think it is a permission or giving myself like, because I think I carry around a lot of like should ofs or shame around like, well, this is what I wanted. So, you know, it's catching up to me or it's, you know, transitioning transition and, and kind of shooting on myself of I should do this better or I shouldn't uh, be whatever when I wanted this change or I wanted to make this move or whatever. And I think it's just honoring that like change is hard. Transition is hard even if it yeah. is...
1: I I don't know, maybe. maybe. Even if it's
2: chosen, yeah. Yeah, I think Um, that it does
1: feel like sometimes that if we choose things, then then we can't be honest about the hard parts of them. Exactly. Uh I think a Uh lot of
2: my early, like I moved out of college and moved, you know, without solid prospects and kind of uprooted my whole life at like 22. And then about six months into it, it was like all caught up to me because it was a lot of change really fast. Yeah. Yeah. people see from the outside of like, you moved and things were great and you were doing really fun and impactful work and this should be easy and light. And you're like, no, this is actually, it's, it's been a hard season. It was a hard season, even though there was a lot of new and a lot of new that I was choosing. It was a really hard season and I had to come to grips with that. So maybe that's, maybe that's why I take a little comfort in it. I don't know. Yeah. I like that. I think a lot of my journey has been both. And like you were saying, why can't two things exist at the same time? I, I find like to people have a hard time with that, right? Yeah.
0: Like if I say, like when I was moving here and I just said, oh, I feel a lot of grief about leaving because I've established community and people, oh, it's going to be great. And I just want to go, ah! It can be great and I can also have grief. Yeah. Like can someone please just hold space yeah. for me to also just feel sad, mm. right? That's a little bit of a pet peeve that I have. Yeah. Like, um, you know, like wanting to make something better instead of just providing space and just going, yeah, identify with that.
1: I know that one of the topics that you're super passionate about is the polyvagal theory. Yes. And it's kind of all the buzz right now. It, yeah. I, because right? It feels it, like people are talking about it and, you know, outside more, culture yeah. not just in therapy circles. So I would love for you to kind of help people understand what is the polyvagal theory
0: So I love the polybagel theory because the word trauma has been used everywhere so much that Mm -hmm. after a while, I begin to ask myself, okay, well, what does it actually mean? Yeah. And, you know, I have been in the fields a long time, and as a recovering person, I've had to look at doing my own work and... You know, when I first came into the field, trauma meant your story, like this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. But I started thinking to mm-hmm. myself, does telling your story really help? Yeah. In a meaningful and long-term way. Yeah. And it and I'm not saying I don't want to be dualistic, but I'm saying maybe it's only part of the deal. Mm, yeah. And I started thinking, well, when you're traumatized, what is traumatized? Mm. And so that brought me into a big, bigger question, like, uh, you have to bear with me, but yeah. it's like, well, what is it to be a human being? Totally. It's like, because if I see a horse out in the field and the horse is barking, for an example, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, there's something wrong with that horse. Not because the horse told me a story, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's because I know something about horse nature. Yeah. And that horse is whinny. They don't bark. Mm-hmm. That would already let me know something happened or something is going on. So mm-hmm. it's not the story of what happened that let me know. It's I know that this animal, that this being has moved away from their nature. Yeah. Right? Oh,
1: That's really good, yeah.
0: So I don't think we take time to go, well, is there a human nature? And I think that we get So caught up in being individuals,
2: Mm, right? Yeah.
0: So, because I'm like, how do you know if something is functional or dysfunctional? We use the word dysfunctional. Oh, I come from a dysfunctional family. Well, what is function? Yes. Yeah. Like, for instance, if my car doesn't work, you know what the function is. Since I know Mm. what the function is, it's to get me from point A to point B, right? Mm -hmm then I can recognize dysfunction. And I think it's kind of nebulous that we have about humans. And I'm just going to say our basic nature Mm -hmm. as human beings is that we're valuable, we're inherently valuable, Mm. that we can't earn it or lose it. So when you think about how much time is spent on trying to acquire worth and value, you can't acquire more of something that you already have. So it's a Mm. useless endeavor. Right?
2: That's really, that's profound in itself. If we say nothing else, please hear that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. It's like, and so your worth and value is not up for debate. It's non negotiable. So, an indicator that something is wrong when people are striving Mm -hmm. or have a belief that their worth and value is up for debate or that you can give it to someone.
1: Mm.
0: So, that's like the horse barking. Yes. That's what you can identify as like, that's the bark. Yes. Okay. That is already a symptom. A lot,
1: a lot of horses barking right now. A lot of yes. horses barking. I feel like I
0: only get horses bark going right there. Now. I'm like, yes, yeah, that is the no. thing. We're vulnerable. Yeah. Period. End of story. We're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We're vulnerable, meaning that our hearts break. Mm. That our hearts break, and we have needs and wants. But many people are ashamed for that, right? Right. For being open, and then we're imperfect. We are not perfect. Uh, our imperfection is our beauty. Like like the mountains, they have cracks, we're imperfect. And then we're dependent. The reason we're still standing is because we knew how to form tribes of connection mm. and that we bonded with one another because being a member of a tribe matters. Mm. And I'm saying this to say if I see a person who doesn't want to be around other people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't care what the story is. I already know that they're wounded. Yeah. Right, They are seeing people as sources of danger rather than sources of safety. This is coming back into the polyvagal theory here. Yeah. So
2: you have to say... Our function's off. We're not, we're not able to practice the function that we are inherently made to have.
0: Yeah, right? So we have these functions that we're mm-hmm. inherently made to have, but how do you have them? Well, you have them by growing up.
2: Mm-hmm. When you were
0: born, we don't have a fully developed nervous system,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so our nervous systems develop in relationship, mm. right? To one another. Yeah. And we develop, human beings are made to tolerate wide, a lot of stress. Mm. Because the history of humankind, if you study history, is that we have suffered grossly and massively. Mm-hmm. This is this is part it's of being new. a Life human being. So it's like this yeah. happened, this happened, that happened. This has been happening forever.
1: Mm. Right.
0: So for me, it's not what happened that matters. It's what didn't happen that matters. Yeah. Right? So human beings, in order to develop their nervous system, have to be tended to in a specific way to develop their capacity for co-regulation rather than regulating with food or sex or porn or whatever. Right. hmm so, at the fir- from the beginning, like you will experience this, obviously, is like that human you know baby that you have is growing, mm-hmm. and it's already feeling all the things that you are feeling towards it, right? It doesn't need words,
2: mm.
0: right? because most information isn't translated through words mm-hmm. it's It's an energetic translation,, yeah. right. Like when you walk in a room or you're sitting next to somebody who really doesn't like you, they don't need to tell you.
2: You know, when you're a full-grown adult. Yeah.
0: You can feel it. Yeah. However, what you have, what an infant doesn't have, is the capacity to verbalize it. Hmm. Or to put it into a coherent narrative. Well, they must be having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Right? To help mitigate it. Mm-hmm. So the human nervous system is developed through attunement with the primary caregiver, which is usually the mother, mm-hmm. right? And when there's a good enough parent that's there that tunes into that child, mm-hmm. what she, she develops is the felt sense of being okay
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that people are available to be a part of a tribe. Mm. yeah. But if the parent, regardless of the reason, is not available for that attuning, attunement
2: Mm -hmm.
0: over time, or even if the mother, let's say she has uh, ancestral suffering like, I mean, like like Holocaust, which gets carried in the body, and she's super anxious, so... There is a biological um, imperative to seek proximity to the caregiver, but if the baby gets close to the mom and she's super anxious, there's also a biological imperative to move away from danger Mm. because the brain's primary function in evolution is not just to think up great things, but it is to give you accurate information about your environment so you can walk towards safety and away from danger. But if something happens where you're given misinformation, like, oh, um, Chucky hurt my feelings, oh, that's him loving you, I am beginning the process of learning how to misread the environment. And I start the process of going towards danger and away from safety. That's why a lot of people are attracted to the bad boy, that's right? That's so
2: interesting. Wow. So you equate safety with unsafety. You're playing
1: Gilbert Blythe from Anne of Green Gables. Oh, yes, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs>
2: So, you, like, yeah. So then
0: there's these things that we know, okay, sexual assault, all this, that's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. But I, using my own story, I am a person that has all the big T traumas. Yeah. But I like to use my story to say, that's not what hurt me. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that you feel like, oh, But the real wounds for me and Mm -hmm. for many people who don't have this story, when people don't have this story, the times when there's nothing available, nothing, Mm. that profound feeling that there is no one hears me, no one sees me. And so I'm walking around in this highly anxious nervous system, which is not a thought, is a lived experience in the body that says, I'm in danger. Yeah. And then I begin the habitual process of collecting cues of danger and ignoring all cues of safety because I can't, I can't see them.
1: Mm. Yeah. So what do you do?
0: Yeah. Right. So here's where the polyvagal theory comes in. So I want to say that the lived experience of trauma to me is this, not being able to imagine, use the imagination to feel good. Like when you said earlier, my mom's therapist said, Mm -hmm. right, that's you taking an idea and using it to benefit you rather than to hurt you. Yeah. Imagine losing that capacity period
2: Mm.
0: where all you can imagine is being more hurt. Yeah. And that would begin to move you from a world of possibility into a, a v- world with a very narrow focus and mostly it would be in the places where the wound would be in the body the same way if your arm was broken and you had to keep walking around and people would be like, oh, you're so self-absorbed. It's hard to take your mind yeah. off pain.
1: You kind of are in, in like a hypervigilant state. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hyperfocused. Consumed. Hyperfocused.
2: So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in on this conversation. I know that we mentioned the word trauma a lot throughout this episode. And if that word sounds intimidating or scary, please don't tune me out. The truth is none of us escapes adversity. And if this conversation has opened your eyes to the ways that maybe the pain from your past is impacting your present and keeping you from living the future that you really want, we wanna let you know that we're here to support you. We specialize in helping people heal from trauma. At OnSite, we've been doing it for over 40 years. So if you're ready to take that step, I want to let you know about two resources that may be of help. Last year, we released an emotional health masterclass called Right Sizing the Wrongs, which is really just a fancy way of saying making sense of our past and reclaiming our future. This class is super helpful in understanding how your past painful events might impact you today, and it equips you with practical ways to actually move forward towards the hope and healing you deserve. It's taught by one of our amazing clinicians, Carlos Martinez, whom, if you know, you already love. You can learn more about this at onsiteworkshops.com slash trauma. And as always, be sure to use the code podcast for $20 off. And if you're ready for a deeper dive into your past, we have a world-renowned six-day group workshop called the Healing Trauma Program. It provides you with the space, tools, and education you need to truly heal from the pain of your past. Every year we see thousands of lives transformed through these in-person workshops and we believe it'll do the same for you. If you wanna explore either of these options, our team would love to connect with you. You can send an email at admissions at onsiteworkshops.com or give us a confidential call at 800-341-7432. Friends, if you hear one thing today, I hope it's this, healing is something that you deserve.
0: So you see all these symptomologies and like people are highly anxious, shut down, can't experience joy, looking for their worth and value somewhere, too vulnerable, not vulnerable enough, trying Cut to be perfect, yeah. needing nothing, needing too much, and have no joy. These are the
1: symptoms, right? Yeah. And then we're going <laughs> open- to- It's everyone you just described. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you just Describe the world.
0: So- Where the polyvagal theory comes in in a really profound way is the brilliance of Deb Dana is she's saying, look, this isn't about perception. There's this thing called neuroception, Mm. right? Neuroception is below awareness. It's not, well, that's your perception. I'm like, ugh. It's about you walk in a room and you're feeling out your environment. So neuroception takes place. I'm... The word is interoception. I'm taking, I'm noticing what's happening within me. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing what's happening between us. I'm neurocepting. And I'm neurocepting what's happening all around me. Mm -hmm. And it's like our body is communicating just as much as our thought patterns. So I call this flat world theory in a way. It's like the brain is not just in the body. It's like a dog. The tail is part of the dog. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we have an embodied brain, and so the vagus nerve—it's a literal in. nerve
1: too. Yes, literal, yeah,
0: yeah. for real, like, like the literal nerve wandering. that goes from the back of your head from your brain. Okay, brainstem. like you have a stem. Yep. So that's part of your brain. Yeah. yeah, it's connected to the brain. Some reason or other, we cut off the head as if the brain is only located yes. here, rather than coming down here mm-hmm. into the heart.
1: Where our wounding is,
0: where our wounding is, yeah, and into um, the the, the rest area. and digestive okay. system. Got gotcha. you right. That's
2: where I felt it. I did the heart. You guys didn't see us, but I did the heart and my stomach. Yes,
0: oh. that's where people do. Okay, right. And so in polyvagal theory, they're going the rest and digest system is the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, sympathetic coming up, right, mm-hmm. is here. Yep. And then this uh, the ventral vagal, which is the uh, system of connection is we're looking around at people's eyes. You know how you just get, you meet somebody and you're just like, I don't know, I just felt weird. Or you just get anxious. But you're not, it's not perception. It's like you're picking up these, we're looking at these cues that are in the eyes. We're looking at the striated facial muscles. We're listening to vocal prosody, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of times if somebody is talking like this right here, yeah. Right. Something happen like the nervous system goes on alert. Mm-hmm. But when you chronically live in states of shutdown and I call them states of shutdown and jacked up, just kind uh, just yeah. like, yeah. I just like it to be that like day to day. Yeah. Now, when I'm in a system of connection, mm-hmm. I have a lot of compassion and space. It's like when you move from connection into a sense of safety. When you move uh, from a sense of safety and connection mm-hmm. into the possibility of danger, it's almost like you can feel the tunnel
2: vision happen. Mm-hmm. Like
0: you focus on the cues of danger only.
2: Fight, flight, freeze, or appease. Like is that when we're going down into that other yes. system? Okay. And, let me. Okay. So the ventral vagal is connection. Yeah.
0: When you move into sympathetic, that is fight or flight. Okay,
2: so below that is the firefly, got it? Right, so imagine a ladder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like the world changes mm-hmm. according to the system that I'm living in. Mm. Now, a client taught me this. When I'm in ventrovagal, when I'm at the top of the ladder, mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. As soon as I get into where I'm jacked up, it's like I can't remember that there was a system of connection mm. and the way that i'm thinking is off. the way it is.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: You
0: always do that. You're never going to change.
1: I've been here before. I
0: I yeah, you're you're i'm in danger. I can't see anything safe. Yeah. I say things i don't mean mm-hmm. in my re- close relations, right? I press send on that email. Yeah. Because i don't have access to pause right there mm. my client once told me when he's there in that state of fight or flight he mm-hmm. cannot remember that he's actually there and that worldview becomes the way it is this is what trauma is not being yeah. able to remember that you belong somewhere yeah mm. yeah right so that, or that the worldview changes. This is the piece I really want to go. When I'm in the top of the ladder in ventral vagal, the world is kind. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility. I'm, I've had this experience being here. Like I felt, con- right? Yep. Then I see a colleague that I don't know. Oh, I slip down into, oh, they're not talking to me. Yeah.
1: What did I do? Why did what I did I there? do?
0: Fear of light, yeah. And then there might be five people over here being very kind, but I'm focused on the danger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see? Yep. Right? But I have tools, so I go, oh, I'm in sympathetic. The world is changing before my very eyes. I have resources to bring me back into ventral and to say or do nothing from
2: this state because I know it's not permanent.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: Right, And so what are some of those things that can help you get back, quote-unquote, online or back to that other state, back to the connection? Um, using the breath, mm. like using box breath,
0: or a breath where the exhale is uh, longer because that evokes listening to music.
1: Mm-hmm. For
0: me, the color green. Mm. Cues that remind me, oh, I'm in a state, and now the kindness in other people's voices. Like, it's not a good time when I'm there to listen to somebody with a monotone voice. Yeah. Someone that has a smile, like you. Hmm. I just that, smiled when you said that. Uh, and yeah. uh, The eyes that are soft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have to look for them on purpose. Mm. Because left to my own devices as a post-traumatic growth person, mm-hmm. that's what I like to call it. Yeah. It's like, my nervous system was wounded deeply It's not like it's really going to get unwounded. Yeah. But what I have is the ability to recognize that I don't create more damage. I can have a 357 Magnum for a mouth when I think I'm in danger Mm -hmm. because I'm small. And so I've learned to use my mouth to protect me, Mm. right? And that very source of protection became a thing that became a source of disconnection the nervous system is sort of like a thermostat, mm. and when the thermostat is working, it cools the house and it heats the house. But what trauma would be would be uh, in that metaphor is that it would just stay stuck on hot,
1: okay,
0: right? Or going down, it would it, into the uh, rest and digest, which we all need that rest and digest. It's getting stuck down there. Okay where people who isolate because people aren't sources of comfort.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And when you're there, usually you've bypassed. Fight or flight doesn't work. There's nobody I can talk to. This is collapse, Mm -hmm. really not safe. Nothing works. Mm -hmm. No one can reach me. And my own personal experience of that would look like And that's not a problem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't really need anyone. Yeah. The other thing that I've noticed, having working an eating disorder, too, is that the food that you eat in those different states, because they're literally different states of being. It's like moving from Oregon to California to Arizona. Yeah. If you think that the safest and it's not thinking here but if you have the sense that your safest way is to stay and collapse.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We are not made to be still. We are made for motion and movement. The brain is made for motion. Yeah. And so one of the things that people would reach for is high carbohydrates. Like I have a a, a client um you know he eats, he's Greek. He's like Greek but when Mediterranean, when he has bypassed fighting or flighting and that it hasn't worked and mm. he goes into collapse, how he helps himself stay there is he goes to Cinnabon.
1: Mm. <laughs> like ice cream. Right? <laughs> I
0: like ice cream too. Yeah.
2: So it keeps you being able to stay. It's the things that slow you down or make you more lethargic. Yes. That type of food. Okay, that's it's interesting. So it
0: keeps you from not acting, like because you want yeah. to stay in the safe place because for whatever reason that feels like the safest place to be.
2: Yeah. So we talked a lot about like the unhealth of this of like you can get stuck here, a bypass here, and your inability. So really the problem is like your inability to move between these three. Like fluidly. Healthily you would you would throughout the day, all right? Like there are situations the where you would go up and down the ladder. All day long. But it's when you can't regulate it. Yes. Becomes the problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like thinking in
0: terms of adaptive and maladaptive. Yeah, that's good. And it's like so it's adaptive like if you really if there's no one that you believe is available to you, it's adaptive to eat something like a bunch of ice cream or Cinnabon mm-hmm. to help you stay still. So you go to sleep, let's say you go to sleep and you're in that state and you wake up but you have a job. And that state, you so you would wake up mm-hmm. still in that collapsed state. Yeah. What your what your friend is is worry. Mm. So if you begin, oh, my God, I have to go to work. I'll be in trouble. So that begins to dump some energy into the system. Some frenetic energy, at least, yeah. Yeah, like to get you moving. Yeah. Because because some people use crystal meth instead. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because that gets you moving. That gets you moving, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. It's like because what you need is energy to move you back up the ladder. So Mm -hmm. often what will happen is when you're coming out, of dorsal vagal, and a lot of amphetamine use is a problem of dorsal vagal um, lack of resiliency. And so one way to be adaptive because you have to move around in the world is to stress yourself out, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because it moves you back up, crystal meth also, or uh, alcohol. It gives you a sense of connection at least for a period of time because people are really want to feel connected. Yeah fight or flight is you're always in in mobilization. But to stay there is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you want a drink to get that down. When you're in a state of mobilization, you're not going to want to eat much because you're you're trying to mobilize, right, and you don't want to be weighed down. Mm -hmm. But another way out of there is like say somebody goes, Hey, seem like you're having... Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Well, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I relate to that. And that begins that travel up there, back up into that sense of connection,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right? But sometimes people are so stuck in the sympathetic or Mm -hmm. the mobilized state that even when somebody sends over a bid for connection, Mm -hmm. because... The focus is so narrow on the sense of danger, all of that adrenaline is being dropped in habitually, which frames the way that you look at the world. Mm. It is dangerous. It's not a perception. It is dangerous. There's something wrong with me. These people are not safe. You hear it here Mm -hmm. when people are doing their work and they Begin to get activated into um, memory, right? Yeah. Yeah. The habitual way of being in the world, of pushing people away. I'm throwing out, I'm complaining about everything. Yeah. Right. And that comes from living in that state. Awareness of that gives you access mm. to making choices about how to move out of that state going, oh, I'm in this state. The world looks a specific way when I'm in this state. Mm -hmm. The teaching of the polyvagal is like when you're working with um, people, it's like helping recognize, oh, when I'm in dorsal, Mm I call it dorsal dive. Mm -hmm. When I'm shut down, when I'm collapsed, I see the world of I don't need people. I don't answer the phone, Right. But there's something about awareness that I'm going to say that is curative. Now, I'm not talking about thinking about things. Mm -mm. Like when you put your hand on a stove and you feel the fire and you move your hand, that's awareness. Okay. If you look up a definition of an apple in a dictionary, that is not awareness of an apple. Yeah. Mm. That is thinking about an apple. It's a deeper sense of knowing. When you bite the apple, that's having awareness of the apple. So the work in the polyvagal theory is to actually bring true awareness to, oh, when I'm here, I think like that, and the world appears like
2: this. Mm -hmm. And from that, we can take action. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Through a deep awareness of it. Oh,
0: so when I get into a system of mobilization or a system of protection, it has a very different goal than when I'm trying to be connected. Mm. They're not the same. Yeah right and being able to recognize it in the moment creates safety because safety isn't out there it's knowing that no matter what happens that you are aware of your own thinking you have learned to trust it because you can recognize it mm-hmm. and that you can take action on your own behalf not only alone but also have recognized and identified cues of safety um, over yourself. time
2: yeah The
0: other thing I want to talk about is this. Mm -hmm. When you do your trauma work, it is very different. Because the problem is if we try to go in and do trauma work with somebody who's in collapse or is in sympathetic, um, the way they tell the story is very different. Mm. And so it's like my hope is that when I'm working with people... And this is not a new idea. Plato talked about it in his allegory of the cave. Yeah. It's like in some way, when you're living in sympathetic, in a system of protection rather than a system of connection, and that becomes your reality, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I know that. So when people lived in the cave in Plato's allegory of the cave, they're looking at shadows on the wall, mistaking it for reality. Yeah. Right. Right. So, my job as a clinician is to recognize that so I can go into the cave Mm -hmm. with a human, stand in the cave, and not unintentionally help the person recount the shadows on the wall over and over and over and get relief, but no recovery. Mm. Because there's a huge difference between relief and recovery. If I drink a beer, I get relief. Recovery is a way of living in the world, Mm. right? So when I go into the cave with somebody, I have to be aware that an attuned and a connected nervous system is what is necessary to walk in with somebody who's jacked up.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that I'm going to use my nervous system, not profound theory, Mm -hmm. to tune... Because we're more like music than we are anything else, and that we can tune each other. Mm. So that if, let's say, I'm sitting with Lindsay and Lindsay's jacked up for whatever reason, that if I get jacked up with her, you're both gonna go right down to like, the door. That's so right. Oh my god, I can't believe yeah. this is. And yeah. You see that in work environments. You see that in families. You see that right. But instead of doing that, it's like I still can be with her. Listen very deeply and on purpose use things that are at my cues disposal of your body and your nervous system yeah, then your breath mm. I could start breathing because her breath will tune to mine mm. even as i said breath you took a deep breath right mm-hmm. <sighs> like so that's so interesting like yeah. i don't know about you but if i'm jacked up and somebody tells me to take a deep
2: breath yeah there's a difference in someone telling you to breathe and you actually breathing like that's the difference between you know, Knowing about breathing and actually breathing awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when
0: I'm Mm -hmm. in ventral and I see another person is in sympathetic, I understand. Oh, you're, I'm not going to argue with it. I'm just going, oh, they're they're in fight or flight. Yeah. They're seeing and possibly me as a source of danger. Mm. Giving advice doesn't
2: work. Mm -mm. So you can mirror them or they can start to hopefully mirror you. Yes. Interesting.
0: Or on purpose, soften my eyes, Mm -hmm. which evokes the ventral vagal, right? On purpose, Mm -hmm. a hint of a smile, not a big smile Mm because, you know. Intimidating, Mm -hmm. off-putting. Like on purpose, Mm -hmm. begin to use vocal prosody, making contact, right? So the work is... Like, so for me, I walk around in the world and I just see, the, I see, now I, it's kind of like I see it through this lens, mm-hmm. whether it's colleagues, whether it's me, it's like, and the truth is, all healing is a practice. It's mm. not an event. And it's yeah. just like, yeah. we can cultivate cute living in a connected world, but it's not easy. Right. And we all have reasons why we can't do it, but... It's like we come to places like on-site. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We can tell our story, and we can get some relief, but it has to be followed up with practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right? And to me, the polyvagal is one of those ways that fits in with every modality to go, yeah, this person has learned to live in a system of disconnection. It's like, And when you teach these tools, people get it right away. All through the pandemic, I taught people how to use this model mm-hmm. to help get out of shame mm. more quickly, how to, in the moment when it's happening, recognize, oh, I'm in dorsal. Yeah. Yeah. And people would go, oh, I'm starting to go down the ladder and yeah. recognize it. And other people would
2: recognize it. Yeah. So even having language for it, I think, goes a long way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know yeah. we're just scratching the surface. So yeah, hey, there's, there's so much. No, there's right? no, there's so, so good. What are but, some good resources for people around if they want to learn more about the polyvagal theory and sort of how they can become more aware and attuned to? If you just
0: go on YouTube and look at Deb Dana, polyvagal, because okay. she's so mm-hmm.
1: accessible. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's she great. sounds like a, a tremendous resource. Yeah, and she
2: has a book called The Polyvagal Theory. It's very easy. It takes um, something really complicated, and it sounds like putting practical... It's almost too. like
0: it's so common sense, yeah, and it's not a therapeutic modality, yeah, it's just a way of going, Oh, I'm gonna take a break until I get back into my uh, window mm-hmm. of tolerance, is another word yeah. to call it, and then we'll have a discussion then, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to say that, I could just know it, yeah, I don't have to send. You know, have you ever pressed send on an email that you wish you didn't? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, since I've really worked with this, I've never done any of that. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's like we all want to have all of our faculties yeah. and our best decision-making online at all times, and sometimes yeah. we don't. Yeah. So the awareness of, like, when we're not at we our best, yeah. in air quotes, and, then— And recognizing and recognizing like, What do we it do is. with it? What are exercises I can do to— Get back to my best again in air quotes and then
0: into your connected self. Yeah. Like, like oh, yeah. I'm in a system of disconnection.
1: Yeah. I like, love that. It's super practical.
0: Right. Like, oh, I'm disconnected. I'm seeing the world as a dangerous place. Yeah. Right. But when I'm over here, I don't see the world the same. I see completely different.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: That's so good. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I feel like I have so much to think about. And even as you were saying it, I was visualizing it. So we will put some clips up of you because I feel like you were so animated in your, your body <laughs> that I think it was essential for people to see. But thank you for sitting down with us. And I think we'll have to have you back on to talk more about it. So, well, thank you. It was
0: really, really fun to Good. spend time talking with you. I loved it. Thanks, All right. y'all. Cool.
1: Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.